Hi, and welcome back to um, the second segment of the second episode. Um, so what we're going to be discussing now is that we've covered what happened on the night, and I feel we haven't done that enough justice, but we've covered the facts and certain relevant information that I've picked and chosen for a reason. So what I want to discuss now is um, the government response to the Grenfell incident and their help for the residents. And in particularly, one thing here, I want to talk about financial response from the public, from the uh, media, from entertainment industry, from whoever, yeah? So I want to read something, and I think this is quite interesting. This is from uh, www.government.co.uk, right? And um, uh, this is their website, the Grenfell Tower um, Emergency Fund for the Grenfell Residents, right? So let me take an extract out from here. Every household whose home has been destroyed as a result of the Grenfell tragedy will receive a guaranteed £5,500 minimum down payment from the fund. Um, this will be made up of £500 cash payment and £5,000 delivered through the Department of Work and Pensions into bank accounts or similar in a single payment. Um, the next point is £500 cash has already begun to be made available to those affected for further payments. Um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, affected and further payments are available immediately from the council at the Curve Community Centre um, address was given. Um, the £5,000 payment has already been available since the Monday the 19th of June and support workers will assist household in accessing it, including those who do not have bank accounts. Um, the fund is also being available, made available to meet funeral costs to top up for payments uh, for those households who have complex or additional needs. Um, so I don't know how much money was being made available for funeral costs, but if you've ever buried someone, which I did in 2016, an aunt of mine who died of cancer in my care, um, it cost in excess, just 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 shy of £5,000. And that was a, a Muslim burial that I did. Um, and, um, I mean, these things cost a lot of money. So I would be very interested to find out how they funded that payment and how much was actually given and who actually got it. Because I know burials took place. And I know there was a lot of other charities that, that gave costs towards burials and they sorted There's funds available, right? There's a lot of mosques that do free burials as well. Um, people come through with these things. But the government's made a statement here, and I'm just relaying that statement out here. Yeah, And there's a benefit inquiry line, banks offering help, and so on and so forth, so forth. Now, two years on, we have the finance, a Financial Times article um, 
which says, you know, the Grenfell fire, two years on, and no closure for victims and families. They're still going through a lot of stress. Talks about Mr. Um, Chuker. Yeah? Um, you know, answers will be a long time coming for Grenfell. Once a home is now many things to people, and it's a crime scene, you know, for a lot of people. It's a standing tomb, he describes it as, yeah? Um, you know, th these people still haven't got closure to this day. Yeah? Um, now, let's talk about what Theresa May offered the government response on the subject of government response. So Theresa May offered 26 luxury apartments. Is it 26? Wasn't that how much? Was no, it? no, it was, sorry. Families who lost their homes in the blaze are set to be permanently rehoused in 68 flats at a luxury complex um, where prices start at 1.6 million. Yeah? Someone who's in their 60s is not happy to see the survivors rehoused in a new development close to her flat. Is that moral? Is that not moral? I don't know. Well, I do know, but... Okay, she told the Independent, North Kensington is not this Kensington. They should be in a place where they're happy, but not here. I do not want them here. This lady's in her 60s, yeah? Um... In the circumstances, they can they can't all expect to be rehoused in parts of London, in, in these parts of London. Someone who has to pay that someone has to pay all that money. If they can't afford to pay the rent there, they should pay rent somewhere else. A source at Berkeley Housing, who's doing the development, yeah, uh, said the flats would be modern but not luxurious and would have more basic fixtures and fittings. Um, they added that in, uh, as a standard for any social housing scheme, the residents will not have access to a swimming pool or the gym in the development. You know? Um, um, and I'm just going to go on to say that one woman who bought her flat two years ago told The Guardian... We paid a lot of money to live in the flats here and we worked hard for it. Now, these people are going to come along, inverted commas, and they won't even be paying a single penny of service charge. Another claim that flats would end up being subletted. That's accusing the residents of subletting these flats out. He told the paper, I'm very sad that people have lost their homes. But there are a lot of people here who have bought flats and will now see the values drop. Not everyone is annoyed at the be at rehousing decision. The mother of two, a mother of two who did not want to be named, said she was disappointed in the reaction of her neighbors. Yeah, rather shameful. She added, They are saying, Have you heard about how they are letting these people? These people who don't work in oh, don't work live in luxury or live in luxury apartments. Are they letting them in? Have you heard about them? Mm. 
they are saying they don't want these people here in their apartments um, and they rely too much on the government. They're saying, I pay £5,000 a month to live here, right? I just thought, oh my God, haven't these people suffered enough, the Grenfell residents? How could they even be saying that? So City of London Corporation person said, we are ready to do everything we can do to help the victims of the terrible fire that happened at Grenfell. Uh, we already provide the council. Uh, we we already provide council housing across seven boroughs, uh, London boroughs, and are committed to delivering thirty-seven thousand, sorry, three thousand seven hundred new homes across the capital. You know, um, Theresa May promised that the families would be rehoused in under three weeks. What are we now, two thousand and seventeen, eighteen, nineteen? Have they all been rehoused? No. Okay, so the Prime Minister admitted that there has been failures in local and national in the hours of immediately following the fire. Um, let me be absolutely clear, the support for the families on the ground in the initial hours was not good enough, she said. That was a failure on the, of the state, local and national, to help the people, to help people when they're in need, uh, when they're in need of, of it the most, as the as Prime Minister, I apologise for that failure. As Prime Minister, I have taken responsibility for doing what we can to put things right. So that was an article by the Express. Uh, .co.uk. Um, again, if you type in Grenfell, London, Kensington residents outraged at plans to rehouse Grenfell survivors nearby. Wow. Well. Um... The outrage just was sounds sounds like racism to me, to be honest with you. Otherization and again carelessness. Um but also um you know it, it also kind of uh, showed the divide in 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 the town in Kensington, this north south divide, class divide, but also this you know, this attitude of you know, you know they can go wherever, but just not here, kind of thing. And it, it just it, it just shows the carelessness of some of the people that are there, some of the people uh, who have a certain level of income and a certain, let's just say, privilege and a, and a way of living. Um, and, you, you know, as you were reading that, Adam, I was just thinking, you know, th these people are just, you know, these are racist att attitudes and, uh, and assumptions coming out. What did you think, Goha? Well, I may not necessarily go f as far to say it was racist. Um, for me, that's uh, just personally a big accusation, and I would want to be 100% correct of making any statement, whether it's racist, misogynist, anything like that. But what I will say, what I will agree on, that uh, there is certainly a lack of empathy um, from the the residents, obviously there was that neighbour who who disagreed with her neighbours, the the resident there. But when you say when you say these people, yeah, yeah, when the word phrase these people yeah, are used, and you know saying that they rely they rely on government funds, mm. it's a stereotype. It's a it's a prejudice that comes into mind. When you say the word these people, what are you referring to? 
because for me, when the word these people have been used, from someone who's 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 been on the receiving end of both institutional and physical racism, yeah, uh, being physically, you know, uh, assaulted many many years ago. Um, obviously, I fought back, but um, I, I, and who has suffered institutional racism. When the word these people are being used, for me, I've got a problem with that phrase. Uh, phrase. I've got a big problem with it. I would class that as perhaps, I mean, it's a bigger word than racism. What is the word? It's not bigotry, is it? It's prejudiced. It's, um, of I'm, course, there's an element of prejudice. It's yes. definitely prejudiced. I would just class it as racism because you have a certain idea of what these people are characteristics i'm gonna i'm gonna say you know majority of the time you're probably not thinking that you know they are white people they are they are other colored people is it, it, it you know th that article um kind of used the language of it also it, it made them look it made the grenfell residents look like they were immigrants and these are majority people of color but um, but but, but. <laughs> You know, the thing is, yeah, for me, a lot of the people owned their flats there. They weren't scroungers of, I mean, you know, people, you know, I think society has got something very wrong here because the media has portrayed a lot of people who live in council flats as scroungers. Mm. You know, they shared programs of Benefit Street and these people living off benefits and doing absolutely nothing with their lives but, you know, moping around doing whatever, yeah? These people owned their flats. They were all hardworking people, mm. yeah? They weren't scrounging off the state or in need of money of the state. Yeah, mm. there's two different things here. Yeah, in needing money of the state when you're actually in a really bad situation and you need help from the government, you've been made homeless or whatever. You lost your job, you couldn't pay for your rent, mm. whatever. Yeah, you've gone through a horrible divorce, you've been chucked out on the street, whatever. Yeah, um, and, and then there's people who are genuinely you know, scrounging of the state. Mm. Like, they do not want to do anything. They have, they are, they they will openly say, we, you know, we're going to abuse the system. It's there mm. for the picking. It's a big difference. These people own their flats. They own their leases inside the property. Mm. Yeah? Uh, a lot of them did. I don't know the proportion of it. And they were hardworking people. Mm. So for a comment like that to be made as a generalist comment because they've come from Grenfell Tower, because it's from an estate, a council estate, we think there's a certain class of people that are going to be walking, oh, my God, you know, we're going to have whoever walking around making a mess and our values of property would drop because of it. But every new development you have to have, I think it's 25% of social housing has to be for that. I'm not sure the percentage, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone. Mm. But that's the thing here. So, sorry, Goha. Yeah, so <laughs> we were just talking about, yeah, I definitely agree it is prejudiced for people to do that. A lack of empathy, um, and it's really horrible. I'm going to stick to my opinion that I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily call it racist myself because uh, that's just my stance, but I'm sure many people would disagree with that. I just personally can't read into people's hearts. Um, but that's not to say we should call out such such things where they are 100% um, uh, very apparent. Some people may 
uh, like Miz say in this case it was racism, and fair enough. But um, I would certainly say it's prejudiced, and and just leave it at that. So, yeah, just just really a lack of empathy there, you know, a lack of um, seeing the tragedy from somebody else's perspective, and just putting a division between yourself and your fellow brother and your fellow sister, your fellow human being, and what they've been through, and it just shows that there is still, despite great tragedies and disasters there's still a lack of you know everyone would agree i'm sure those people would agree oh yeah what happened was terrible but there is still that kind of distance that they would rather maintain with the victims they'd be like oh yeah no we we disagree we may even donate a bit of money but no i mean them living right next to us no that that's where the line is drawn and it just shows that we do have a lot of work to do amongst us all living in this nation to really um, not just tolerate each other, but to, but to care for one and for one another and uh, the things that we've gone through, you know, there's, there's different levels of, of that people help There's people. And I'm sure like, you know, not knocking any level of help is appreciated. I'm sure many of the bereaved families and friends of people who lost people there would, would sure to agree. They, they appreciate all help. But there's the people who will help by um, just saying sympathetic words. There's other people who help more financially. And then there's people who will actually come and uh, to the place, help the people out, maybe even take people in. If you know, if they, they knew people there, they'll be like, okay, come and stay at our, our house. So there's all these kind of factors. And um, as far as the money, you know, we we're talking about the money that's being available to the people um you know it's uh, there was a lot raised actually there was a lot of money raised so there's there's something that that was also highlighted in the Grenfell report that there was a lot of help made available and a lot of donations but not everything was taken up like there were even emergency kind of beds set up but a lot of them remained empty because one of the things that people didn't understand is uh, the kind of values of people, even the dignity of people. Some people would rather not uh, take some of the donations, funnily enough. But it was it was one of the things that they didn't want to seem like a victim, even though that terrible tragedy is disempowering for someone to see themselves as a victim. They wanted to still feel in some way empowered and some people just would rather just go to families or friends who had spaces in their houses and just live with them and uh, receive some kind of assistance through them rather than take from some of the donations and there was even like people who were offering mental help you know there were obviously this thing is gonna is gonna affect someone mentally and there were people and agencies even like offering certain help but not many people took them up because again, there was this kind of dignity kind of thing, like, ooh, and you know, certain genders, like you know, men, and they, maybe it's a bit stereotypical, but they're not as open to talk about these things. Perhaps they didn't want to want to take up that kind of help, even though it was available. So these are also kind of things that that should be highlighted. But but you know, I I will say this: yeah, um, that help maybe may have been available, but. A lot of the, a lot of the residents didn't actually know. Um, sorry, didn't actually know 
<laughs> this help was available, mm. you know, the mental health counselling and so on and so forth. I think they were so busy trying to fathom what had happened. Literally, like, you know, this is where this is where the council needed to have come in and got those residents and got them in mm. and helped them. They had to find their own way. And let's make that very clear. They had to find their own way, yeah, um, which wasn't easy, right? Um, and 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 for them, it was just you know. I I just remember that that night, those few nights, that you know that that uh, the, the tent with the the hall was set up, and a lot of the beds were empty because mm. people were staying with friends and relatives. That was the emotional support they had. Um, they weren't about. They didn't know that there was a bed set up, bed thing set up on in the hall. Mm. That's why they weren't taken. Right. A lot of them didn't even know. Um, so for me, I mean, the money that was raised. Let's talk about the money that was raised here. Yeah. So um, people say seventy-one people died. Sorry, the police say seventy-one people died. In the fire that engulfed uh, the tower in North Kensington, um, in the early hours of the fourteenth of June last year, yeah. Um, now, in the following days and months, there was an outpouring of donations. Like I said, enough money was like an obscene amount of money and clothes, and just I just remember the scene. It was just crazy. I just I'd never experienced anything like that. Yeah, never. Um, such goodwill of people, people taking charge, people dropping off stuff again and again and again. Um, you know, warehouses and studio apartments, sorry, studio uh, uh, offices all open up just to, to get storage in. Um, you know, money, or clothes, baby milk, Bedding of water bottle, you know, just bedding and water bottled water. I, I just remember so, so many bottled water like cases were. I think in a region of about must have been about a thousand. So many, um, and a month after uh, uh, the tragedy happened, a reality check report came out that only a fraction of these donations had reached the survivors and relatives. And a BBC website claims that this is no longer the case. Most of the money has now reached people. Um, which I find really hard to believe. Because there's an article here on the BBC website, which is January 2018. Yeah, um, Titled, Grenfell Tower, What Has Happened to the Donations? Back in July... Nearly twenty million pounds had been raised, but less than eight hundred thousand had been distributed. More cash has been raised since then. Yeah, the figure is now twenty-six point five million, according to the Charity Commission for England and Wales. Now, these are registered charities that have raised money. Yeah, that's it's come to the Charity Commission. We're not talking about donations, financial donations. We're not talking about, you know. Simon Cowell gave a hundred thousand pounds of his own money to the Grenfell residents. To whom? I don't know. I'd like to understand who that went to and who filtered that money to the Grenfell residents. Um, 
there was what I think about thirty families that lost uh, that survived. Um, you know, uh, the I think it was the Express or the Mirror. I can't remember which newspaper d- uh, pledged a hundred thousand pounds to the Grenfell residents. Uh, Simon Cowell made a single uh, "Bridge Over Troubled Waters," a cover, a modern-day cover of the Simon and Garfunkel uh, single. Um, and we don't know how much that raised, and we don't know where that money was distributed and whom it went to. Yeah. Um, of this, twenty point nine million has been distributed to survivors and relatives. A far bigger, a far bigger um, proportion than last summer. There was a lot of charities involved: British uh, Red Cross, Kensington Chelsea Fa- Foundation, uh, London Community Foundation, Evening Standard Dispossessed Fund. Uh, we know that the Evening Standard raised, I think, it was eight million. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think I remember seeing that figure flying around. Eighteen other fundraisers, including Muslim Aid, Family Action, Art for Grenfell, auctions at Sotheby's, uh, accounted for the rest. Uh, then why why is everyone still complaining that they still haven't got adequate housing you know where has that money disappeared to I just need to understand that Mm. Um, that's a lot of money we did a calculation 26 point how many how many families could you just check how many families actually survived the uh, the tragedy Correct me if I'm wrong. If it's if it's thirty, I just want to be correct on that figure. I you know I don't want to come across as not checking my facts. Here. I know I had the figure, but um, so let's get a calculator out. Twenty six point nine million. Yeah, and and you know, if you divide that amount by the families that were that 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 had survived. Um, you're talking about the region of about eight hundred thousand pounds per family. You know, even if you got six people in the family, not many people have survived. You know, there were couples and single people, and you know, a family of three. Um, okay, so three hundred and five people survived. Three hundred and five people survived. So it's members. Okay, so three hundred five people. So twenty six point five million. Um, two, three. Four, five, six. Do we buy three hundred fifty-five people? Three hundred five. Three hundred five. Sorry. Okay. So this is point five million. One, two, three. One, two, three. Divided by three hundred five. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that read as? So you got it as eight hundred and eighty-five pounds per person per survivor. So it says eighty-six thousand pounds per survivor. Yeah, per survivor. Yeah, mm. um, many of them were families, so there would be four people in a family, three people in a family, whatever it is. So per survivor, eighty-six thousand people pounds got. Assumedly, this is just the registered funds that came through. Well, I don't know if this is accounting for Simon Cowell's one hundred thousand, uh, the pledge given by um, uh, by the Mirror or the Express. I can't remember which one it was. And a few others that came through. But why are they still having trouble being housed? Why is there still talk of them not being housed? You know, where's all this money disappeared to? You know, um, 
to account, I mean, no, there was impossible to account for all the clothes. There was no inventory that took place. Mm. Um, so I, I, I think in our next episode, we need to get into the nitty gritty even more. And I'm, I'm looking to have a guest on here who kind of will shed a lot of light to another view of Grenfell, yeah, and how things occurred. Um, in the coming months and the years after Grenfell and what their opinions are. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, today's episode was to highlight, like I said, a few things as to the order of the night of what happened and the coming weeks after that. Um, what exactly happened with the money and the government response to that? The government response, you know, these flats that were supposedly given, you know, and then the 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 the, com the flats community outrage at the 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 allocation of houses to these Grenfell residents was shocking. Do we actually live in a society that really does not care? There was a Conservative Party thing that went around. Uh, I don't know if it's true that asked, you know, one of the questions was, you know. Is it important to rehouse the residents, amongst other things, your council tax over there? Mm. So we need to ask these questions. So look, you know, um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, do join us on the uh, third episode next week. And we hope you found this informative and we want to bring value to the table and bring our own findings on this. So it's good night from myself, Adam. Good night from myself, Mizan. Peace from me, Goha. And thank you very much for listening to us. And we hope to see you. We hope to see you. Well, we hope for you to join us next week. Uh, good evening, good day, and good night. And thank you very much. What I think perplexes people is that there didn't appear to be any fire equipment that could reach further than probably about the 10th, 11th floor. Absolutely. Why is that? Uh, I mean, firstly, Talking about the spread of the fire, it's absolutely unprecedented. You know, a fire on the fourth floor should have stayed on the fourth floor. It shouldn't have spread in the manner it did, and it certainly shouldn't have spread that fast. Now, we know it spread from the fourth floor to the 18th floor within about eight minutes. Absolutely unprecedented. Something went seriously wrong yeah. on that day. Um, in regards to our equipment, yes, um, you know, it's no... Well, I gather the high platform that I saw when I was there the next day had to be got from Surrey. That You don't yeah. have one. Uh, we have a, um, an ALP uh, that reaches 32 metres. We had to call one from Surrey that reached 42 metres. Even that would have been, what, about the 15th floor? Um, it actually went six, um, I believe, three floors higher than ours did. So yeah. it had a small effect. But you're absolutely right. You know, why don't we have this equipment? We are London. You know, mm. we, this is the 13th richest country what? in the world. We should have that equipment. We shouldn't be begging and borrowing. I'm going to come back counties. to you on that. I completely understand people's frustrations. I, I had a senior officer come to me the other day and said, because we're in Chelsea, we need to be out in the community reassuring people, telling people that you know this is a one-off, it's unprecedented, it won't happen again. I can't reassure people because I know in this borough alone, fire cover has been reduced by 50% in the last three years by our former mayor. It's, now it's far too early to speculate if the cuts had an effect on this fire. What we do know for sure is that the former mayor, Boris Johnson, now foreign secretary, in London alone, closed 10 fire stations, removed 600 firefighting jobs, and removed 29 fire engines from frontline services. Now, are you telling me that on in the early hours of Wednesday morning, if those extra firefighters, those extra fire stations and fire engines wouldn't have had an effect hmm. and be able to save more people? I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to let your viewers I make their own... But this is...
Right, welcome to episode two of our podcast. Um, my name is Adam. I'm your host for today together, joined by um, Misan and Goha. Yeah. Yes, yes. Right, so um, what we're trying to talk about today is um, the in the second episode, we, um, we're going to cover some deep facts about Grenfell and why, how things evolved over the night and the coming weeks after that. So we're going to touch on a few few, few things. Um, the, the clip you heard uh, was from uh, Channel 4. Uh, Jon Snow was the presenter, and it was a, with a group of people, a few Labour councillors, a priest, a local priest who catered for the survivors that night. And the lady who you heard was Lucy Masood. She was one of the firefighters. And as you can, as you heard, there were great, um, there were great discrepancies of that night. Um, and it, it led to a lot of issues um, on the night for the firefighters. So we know that the first call was made about just before 5 to 1 that morning. Um, and it took the whole fire lasted at least 72 hours, um, which is is a a long time for a building to burn. 45 fire engines turned up, um, and they couldn't even get past the, what, the eighth floor with the fire equipment they had. Um, like she said, they had to get, you know, borrow stuff from Surrey Fire Department and, but that that just um, took a while to come, and they could only get to the eleventh floor with that. So it begs the question, you know, London having a lot of high-rise flats, why on earth were the fire department not trained um, into resolving fires that could be potentially in high-rise buildings, or were they all deemed to be absolutely safe? Mm. So there was a lot of cuts that she mentioned, and, you know, there were brutal cuts that were made to the fire department. And we saw recently um, with the issue of the report, the inquest report, the first phase of it, um, how the fire department, in my opinion, were, you know, made as a scapegoat. And, yes, there were failures on the night, and I do agree there were, Mm. to the extent that people afterwards claimed that there was that there was an element of racism uh, illustrated by the fire department that night mm. that they picked and choose who they saved they picked and chose who they saved and saved and um, and uh, you know um, they didn't respond quickly enough because it was an immigrant population in there and it, for them it wasn't and that was you know, is an article that I saw by Dorian Lawrence. Whether there's any factual evidence to that, you can research for that about yourself. But that, that's that's what I came across. Kind of shocked me a bit mm. because if you saw the firefighters that night, they were absolutely distraught. You know, um, I don't, I don't, I've never heard of institutional outward racism mm. in the fire department. I don't think firefighters get into fighting fires 
choosing color. Hmm. I, I I've never heard of that. That's just me. So um, okay. So the night unfolded as such, and you guys want to add into that because what we're going to come across, what we're going to talk about today, and I'm just going to cover a few things, is that we're going to talk about what happened on the night. We're going to talk about a few weeks afterwards, and what the one thing I two things I want to touch upon. Um, is the money that was raised, yeah? And I touched upon in the first episode mm. about the amount of donations that was given on the night. Uh, you know, uh, uh, when I say an obscene amount of donations, I mean that in a good sense. It was a, a it was like you were mesmerized at the amount. It, it was literally like you were a country had just gone up in flames. And everyone had lost their houses, mm. or said their homes. Um, and there was money raised. There was money pledged. There was CDs, singles made. Mm. What on earth? And you know, I will come to the amount of money that was raised in total, according to the BBC's website. Then the other thing was is the, the actual Theresa May pledge of housing the residents. Mm. And what happened in that scenario? So I'm just going to touch upon that towards the end of it. So we've only got half an hour for this. We might carry on. I don't know. But, um, Miss, what have you got to add? I mean, the thing that, the thing that I will say is that uh, Grenfell represents a whole systematic failure. Um, it's a s- systematic problem in regards to how the, how the residents were dealt with before the fire. Um, there were, like many of us know, for example, uh, there were grassroots organisations like the Grenfell Action Group, who were campaigning for, uh, let's just say, safety regulations and all these kind of things in regards to the tower. And they actually came out with a couple of blog posts saying that it will take like a, you know, an atrocity or something of, of that sort for for their voices to be heard and for for their issues to be recognised. Um, during, obviously, in, in the event of the night, the fire, the way it spread, uh, shows that systematic systematic failure in regards to, in regards to the fact that, you know, a fire that started off in the fourth floor should have stayed in the fourth floor. Um, but because of a lack of safe, you know, safety regulations and safe equipment, um, you know, the fire was able to spread. And also how the families were dealt with after the fire as well. So if you look at the government's response, um, if you look at the media as well, um, the fact that, you, you know, the council were very slow to respond. And even the fact that even now families haven't been resettled, um, it shows a complete systematic failure and a complete politics of disregard. Um, for the for the, when it comes to Grenfell, uh, Goha, what would you like to say? Yeah, no, I'll just touch upon upon that point about this neglect and failure, systematic failure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is straight after the fire. The days after the fire, this was already the perception amongst many people. Um, they were saying, you know, where's where are the community local councillors? Where are the MPs? Theresa May's initial response was criticised, and unfortunately, this is you know up until this day, uh, the same theme 
is like, you know, there was a lack of response, there was neglect. And the Grenfell report that came out did um, did highlight a lot of these things as well. Even like simple things like people not replying, local councillors not replying to emails that they sent. Um, you know, this is even prior um, to, to the fire itself. And um, it was just, just this whole unfortunate um, lack of response, lack of really care to the whole issue. And it just makes it even more devastating because it, in many people's eyes, it was avoidable. If these kind of things were kind of sorted out beforehand, who knows, this, this may never have happened. And that must be an amazingly difficult pill to swallow for many of the bereaved families and people who've lost people. So, yeah. Adam, what are you saying? I think, I think um, you know, you, you if you go back in history as to when the actual, um, when the actual, uh, the renovation took place, yeah? So when the renovation took place, we know that there were contracts being tendered for, and that took place in 2009, the renovation. So the company Raiden was one of the contracting firms, and they quoted, I think it was in the region of 11 or 12 million to renovate Grenfell, or that building in particular, um, and it was rejected by the council mm. because they had a budget of 10 million. So they came back again, retendered, and so I'm paraphrasing a lot of stuff here. So if if I'm slightly wrong in my facts, I know I'm writing a lot of my facts, the timeline in, but if I'm slightly wrong, do feel free to give us a comment and correct it. But I'm pretty sure, I am sure that I'm correcting what I'm saying, that um, that 8.5 million or 8.9 million was put on the table mm. as a full renovation and it was accepted. <laughs> Whether that was a cost-cutting measure, mm. as to okay, let's get cheaper products in. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just need to understand is that who on earth was in that planning committee mm. that authorized this? Who who dissected the materials used? What mm. due diligence was done by the council? And whose name was on the dotted line? Yeah. Yeah. That that that's 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 what I need to understand, yeah. Um, and that's who, in my opinion, needs to be held to account here. Yeah? Not the fire brigade; mm. they have their own feelings. Um, you know, uh, judgment calls are made in certain situations, like you're in the army. Mm. Um, you know, you got to make a judgment call as a commanding officer as to either getting your troops out or keeping them in. And you've got to make a very fast judgment call. Most of the time, you're going to follow protocol. Because if you go away from protocol, you could be held liable. And in that situation, you don't know what on earth is going on. We know that on the night, that communication fell between the inside and the outside of the building. Mm. Um, radios weren't working properly. Mm. Yeah, And the, the fire brigade inside didn't know, didn't have a clue as to the inferno that was taking place outside until, I think, I don't know, minutes into the, I don't know, I can't exactly tell how much, how many minutes was into it. But, you know, they went into the fourth floor, into the kitchen, put mm. the kitchen fire out, went back out, 
um, and they noticed the heat there again, and then drippings happening from the window. Confused, they went back out again and was greeted with black, thick smoke. Mm. Confused again, put the fire out, went back out, tried to go out back. You know, the walkie-talkies weren't working and whatever they had then, the communication. They couldn't communicate with the outside. Um, could it have saved lives on the night if they had made a different, you know, people were allowed to come out? Yes, it could have. Mm. People were trying to come out and they not get back in your house. They were following protocol. But who set that protocol? Well, the thing is, the thing is, uh, it's interesting that you say that because, yes, you're right. Like some people did not follow the stay put policy and they actually came out. Um, but one of the things I think we're forgetting is, again, it's this it goes down to safety regulations and the way it was built. Uh, Grenfell has one staircase, only has one, uh, and therefore that that played part of the decision in regards to the stay put policy, um, because there wasn't uh, it, the the way the tower was built, it wasn't uh, you know the idea of the whole block going up in flames was not part of the plan. It wasn't part of the idea. How can a concrete building go up in flames? Right? Yes, yeah, exactly. So that's one of the reasons. From what I understand, when uh, I was I was watching the actual inquiry launch uh, and in the GLA, was that it had one staircase, um, which was already blocked. Uh, so you know that the, the fire department had a lot of failings in it, um, and again, one of them was like when it comes to the equipment the other thing was was that uh the firefighters themselves were not trained to deal with a grenfell style fire um so you know there are a lot of there are a lot of failings but the f the fact that there was only one staircase might have added to the decision of the stay put policy right so just um staying on that point about the the failings of the the fire department so called and uh, the one staircase that was available that was the only one. Um, so the the building was designed basically so if a fire broke out, like you mentioned, the stay put policy. So one of the uh, the criticisms about the fire brigade, or I'm even thinking about the comments that Jacob Rees Mogg said, was that people didn't use their common sense and just just go out, but the whole thing was designed for the people to stay put. So, you know, people criticized the fire firefighters, but in one sense, they were just following what they should have, um, what they needed to do or their instructions for a fire. And um, they were, to my understanding, they were just following the protocol. They were following what would need to be said to the tenants, to the residents, in the fire now of course you know um what happened happened and unfortunately a lot of people lost their lives but one of the things i don't understand is if um, they're blaming the firefighters at least on that issue weren't they just following the instructions well well, well that, that's this the uh, the thing here um the, the decision was made from the top, yeah? Mm. 
and she's getting the flack for this and her salaries and her pension is coming into question and everything and you know people are having a big issue with a lot of things here um and i think the media trial by media is what's being done here yeah Let, let's be really serious about this um you know the grenfell residents lost their lives mm. attributed to a lot of reasons yeah we cannot just blame the fire brigade who without not being there you know a lot of worse things could have happened mm. but i want to read something out with a bit of history here yeah and um i think it's a very important part of what needs to be said because you know for me history kind of helps us for future development yeah so this is a, a, an article that i took from uh, a wikipedia website and its sources are on the bottom if you i mean feel free if you type in grenfell tower uh, into wikipedia or into google you'll see this wikipedia article come up and um it has its own references i'm sure you can check it out so the 24 story tower block was designed in 1967 in a brutalist style uh, of era by Clifford Warden right and associates uh with uh, um Kensington and Chelsea Borough Council right approving a construction in 1970 so 1970 this thing was uh, approved to be built uh for phase 1 of the Lancaster West uh, development project mount you know it goes into the height of the building and so on and so forth the key element here is for me the tower was built to the parker morris standards now each floor had 22 meter squared so on and so forth bedroom at the front on the side facing the window the key element here is the core um contained a stair column uh, a core contained a stair column and the lift and service shafts right so for me that's very key because that the, the building went according to a standard yeah a peak apartment standard what they didn't account for in all of this yeah um there was going to be cladding flammable cladding put on the front of it so the tower had been designed with the attention to strength following the ronan point collapse of 1968 yeah very uh, another key part of history and from what i can see could last another 100 years so this these block of flats were built to last yeah they were concrete blocks he described it as very simple and straightforward concept and you could have a central core containing a lift staircase and vertical risers for services and you could have extre uh, extreme parameter uh, perimeter columns yeah um so there's a central boiler and a pump um which we powered a whole development located in the basement of the tower block yeah um and the 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 the, the basement was approximately 4 meters deep and the foundation could hold the tower block you know it was very very strong structure it built to last 100 years plus um and they took a lot of history uh you know that collapse that happened in 1968 um so we need to look at that and understand okay th this wasn't you know made to collapse what actually caused the fire wasn't the central staircase 
you know, um, fires were meant to be contained in a certain area, and that's what the fire brigade said. It's meant to be contained. It shouldn't have gone anywhere. What made it explode so fast was a number of things. It was renovation that was done. There was a gas pipe put into that central staircase, the only staircase that is in and out um, area. Why on earth would someone put a gas pipe all the way up there and put flammable cladding that's been banned in America and a few other countries? Don't get it. Yeah. So there's a number of things here that that you could read in this um, in, in this Wikipedia. I'm sure a lot of people have read it. The Grenfell Action Group as well, which Ms. discussed. Um, you know, they raised uh, concerns um, about this and. You know, the, the council in 2013 threatened the group's blogger with legal action, accusing them of um, defamatory behavior and harassment. And there was a lot of things that happened. Um, you know, they warned that people might be trapped in a fire. Uh, there was a lot of issues with the building, with the renovation of the building, not the building itself, from the historical part of the building, the renovation that happened in 2009. And thereafter, there were big, big issues that they wanted to get solved, and they were pressurizing the council, and the council literally turned, uh, 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 you know, turned their backs on them and literally started subjugating them to a lot of stress. Yeah, these are people's lives at stake. Of course, they're going to get pretty aggressive if they're going to get, you know, turned down. So, as we know, the fire lasted for twenty uh, for seventy-two hours. Uh, Forty-five fire engines turned up. And, you know, they attempted to control pockets of that fire. Wouldn't happen. Um, the entire building got gutted. Um, and people died. Residents of the surrounding buildings were evacuated because they thought the building was going to collapse. Um, though the building was later determined to be structurally sound. Structurally sound. Yeah. Now, going back to the historical reference I made in 1970 when it was built, um, according to the Parker Morris standard, yeah. According to the Parker Morris standard, um, sorry, I'm just checking my facts. Um, it was structurally sound, structurally sound. Yeah. But the renovation that took place, the extra stuff that they put on there, that wasn't sound. So yeah. So like, structurally sound basically means, um, like you said. Um, it was built to last very long and they did not have uh, the idea that a Grenfell style fire would occur it wasn't basically built to withstand all that um, and also like with the refurbishment that took place um, as we know cost cutting measures were put in place um, cladding safe you know cladding was because you know the 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 flammable cladding was put in place because it was cheaper um than the other types of cladding that were available to them um so again there was a degree of cost cutting um and also again i think for me it just shows the whole politics of putting profit over people's lives um and also let's not forget about the fact that the landlord was uh, you know the kctmo was a private company and therefore 
you know, this kind of adds into the whole politics of neoliberalism and also the which in, in itself is a politics of carelessness and which puts profit over people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things I just want to touch on, we're talking about the structurally, structurally sound building. And there's a lot of high-rise buildings, actually, um, not just in the UK, but even just all over the world. And uh, I was listening to somebody who was talking about these high-rise buildings, and really they are more secure, generally, because you have to have a greater care for security, fires, and all these kind of safety measures, because there's a lot more people living in those buildings. There's a lot more different flats, and the the kind of the measures and the regulations are more stringent for these type of buildings for certain reasons. And hence, if those things are, are, are done and put into place and people are more stringent, they are also more kind of secure in that respect. So it's, it's just uh, obviously the cladding and everything was cheaper. It was dereg. I mean, it was, uh, it was not even legal in certain countries. One of the things that um, when I was, I was listening to this actual um, podcast, which was talking about these things, it was talking about the in New Year's Eve, there was a fire in Dubai in one of the hotels there, which is, was a, a high rise tower hotel. And many people may remember seeing the fire on New Year's Eve. And um, what was interesting there is that nobody got killed. The fire did rise up so to some floors. Obviously, it didn't expand the way it did at Grenfell. But everyone escaped with no no deaths, a few minor injuries, I believe. And um, that's generally how things would be handled in a high-rise tower. They are more secure in that sense. But I, what I do understand, a Grenfell fell short, unfortunately, in some of the, the measures, the gas pipe in the, in the staircase and the cladding. I don't think there were sprinklers. Am I? Am I? Yeah, there, no there were no sprinklers. So... You know, unfortunately, this this was this was the case. But around the world, high rise buildings they are actually seen to be, um, from my understanding, more secure and risk averse. Mm, that's a, a, a very interesting take. Um, I, I, I think I think you know. Um, I mean, even if you look at the building itself, you know. Um, structurally sound it may be but there was a lot of issues that was taken to account in the inquest report mm. regulations safety you know they were flooded by i mean who's to blame for this um so we're going to carry on in part two in part two what we're going to cover is um what government support has been given to the victims and the money that was raised, what on earth happened to that? That's what we're going to cover in part two. But there's a lot of stuff that we need to be thinking about in terms of Grenfell on a wider scale. And let's not pocket and focus on one little thing, be it the fire brigade, because there's a lot of stuff surrounding that. So we'll join us in part two, please. And um, um, we hope you found this part informative. It's just an outlay of the facts. And um, we'll speak to you soon.